Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey guys, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Leadership Show, where we help you to stand out and to get ahead at work. Now, as you know, we like to switch things up here, keep it interesting, and to continue that tradition, today on the podcast, instead of me interviewing an expert guest, we're going to have the guest deep dive into their topic. You see, you'll be hearing audio from a LeadX webinar. Now, of course, there are dozens of great webinars on leadership, management, communication, productivity, and more, all archived in the LeadX app. Just visit leadx.org for more information about our webinar archive. So enough on the setup, enough background information. Here is Vanya Mathis to introduce our guest and to hand it over to them. Enjoy. Welcome to Plan D, three ways disruptors dream, drive, and deliver. The future belongs to disruptors. This means you either need to be a disruptor, work with one, or know how to manage them. Our next host will talk about three things he learned when interviewing hundreds of the crazy ones. He has a passion for empowering leaders, helping them find their own entrepreneurial spirit, and empowering their curiosity. Outside of his firm, Maddock Douglas, he serves as a co-chairman at the Entrepreneurial Conclave and is the past chapter chairman of both Young Presidents Organization, YPO, and Entrepreneurs Organization in Chicago. He's also a dad, husband, friend, and of course, an idea monkey. Please welcome Mike Maddock. Well, hey, it's an honor to be here. Uh, again, my name is Mike Maddock, and I, I am going to keep this presentation at about a 30,000 foot level. I'm also from the Midwest, so I tend to talk pretty quickly. So if you want to go deeper, I'm putting my contact information up on the screen for everything I talk about. There's a book, there's a white paper, there's an HBR article that gets down into the weeds, and I'm happy to share um, them with you at a later date. My company, Maddock Douglas, has been in business for 28 years. Um, we work with leaders at large companies that uh, are being punched in the face by the future. They're looking for a new product or a new service. They have questions like, you know, how do I improve a specific metric within my customer experience? How do I expand our portfolio of products globally? I'm looking for a three to five year transformational strategy that relies on something more than just my gut or historical information. And we have systems processes that are insight driven, research driven to help them find a target um, that they can shoot at to, you know, put a dent in the universe. So that's what we do. Written four different books. One is about the process of innovation. One is about the tension between visionaries and operators. One is about the insurance industry. And the latest book that just came out and thankfully hit number one on Amazon is called Plan D. It's about disruptors. You can imagine that every day, the good people at Maddock Douglas get to work with people that are blowing stuff up. Um, the dictionary defines disruptor like this, a person or thing that prevents something, especially a system, process, or event from continuing as usual or expected. I define disruptors as people that blow stuff up for the good of the whole. Um, that's the edited version of what I'll say on stage. But these are people that can come into any situation, any relationship, any business, and see things they don't like and break them better. They just have this unique ability to, dis 
to to shake things up, to to fix things, to to you know bar, to, to take convention and throw it up in the air. And I'm fa- I became fascinated by these people and began to be curious about what it was that they had in common, whether they knew it or not. What what were their superhero powers that made them unique? Um, these people are famous. People like Branson and Disney and um, Elon Musk and and you know every company that is changing the world has these people and every one of these people share some traits. So what I did was the book is really focuses on 10 different, what I call superhero powers of disruptors. Each chapter focuses on a story of a disruptor, um, what that superhero power is, and then things that you can do uh, in your own life to adopt that superhero power. I will, I will say that I've never met a disruptor that that has all of these superhero powers, but I've never met one that doesn't have at least four or five of them. So it's a fun read. Um, I'll start with this one. There, about 15 years ago, we got the project of a lifetime. We learned about innovation on the shoulders of Procter & Gamble. Uh, you know, this is a company that can put $100 million new products and services on the shelf quarterly. They, you know, it's a brand company that really deeply understands consumer insight. They know what people want before people know they want it. And that is, that, that really insight-driven innovation is, is, is what great companies have in common. So we'd learned a lot from P&G. We got a phone call and it was from their professional dental group. And they said that they needed new products for, for dentists. So we did all kinds of research. We wound up in my favorite part, the brainstorm. Um, and I was running around. You've been in this room. There are post-it notes all over the place. There are all kinds of experts in the room, Nerf balls, Play-Doh. Ideas are flying all over the place. And I was like a puppy uh, running back and forth. And at about noon, I went up to one of the dentists in the room and said, isn't this great? I mean, look at this. We've got like 150 ideas. And he stared down his nose at me and said, yeah, do you know what I do for a living son? And I said, "Uh, you're a dentist? And he said, yeah, that means I'm a doctor. And you know what? I don't care about white teeth. I care about gum health. I care, you know, white teeth are a false proxy. Um, You could have, you could have, gum disease, your teeth could be falling out of your mouth and have the whitest teeth in the room. So I'll tell you what, um, this afternoon, I don't want to hear another idea about white teeth. And the next time you come into a room like this, I suggest you do your homework. No, it's not going great. And you walked away. You can imagine that afternoon, I was a completely different person. I, you know, I felt like we'd failed our client. And at the end of the day, I went to our client and said, that didn't go very well. That guy yelled at me and so did his friend. And to their credit, uh, the folks at P&G said, no, we've done our homework. Um, this is a real opportunity. If they don't want to do something with it, we will. And, you know, the rest is history. At the time, that was about a $4 billion category, a need that was unmet. Uh, dentists didn't want to meet it. You, it led to all kinds of cool innovations like white strips. Today, it's an $11 billion category. And a couple years ago in the Carolinas, the association that apparently protects dentists from the future argued that only only dentists should be able to whiten teeth at the Supreme Court level and they lost the case. So 15 years after an idea that was given to dentists and was rejected, they're in the Supreme Court saying, hey, we should have that idea back. And 
they didn't get it back. So that's what I call the expertise trap. My favorite saying in the world is you can't read the label when you're sitting inside the jar. That means the longer you've been working on a challenge, the more of an expert you become. You know what works, you know what the laws say, you know what you can afford, you know what your boss wants, you know why Harry got fired, you know what you've tried in the past. You know, you know, you know, you're inside the jar. And unfortunately, the more you know, the harder it is for you to be objective, you're an expert, the harder it is for you to see a great idea when, it, when it's right in front of you. This is Joe Kim. Joe Kim and I had the great pleasure of working together for a number of years. We're buddies. He's now running a really cool company. You might recognize Joe if you fly United because on the side he's a, an actor and a model and he was on the United uh, prep video before you took off. This is not Joe's family. He's got a beautiful family. Um, but this is a story about Joe. I was in a meeting with him with a client um, and he was just on fire. He just had all these ideas. It was one idea after another. And after the client left, I said, Joe, that's amazing. How do you do that? I mean, you, you, you are like the best idea guy I've ever met. I thought I was good at ideas. You're awesome. You have all these ideas. And he looked at me and he said, no, Mike, I'm a terrible idea guy. I'm terrible at coming up with ideas. And I said, what are you talking about? We, just, we were just in a meeting where you came up with you know, dozens of ideas that were really great. And he said, well, I'm not good at coming up with ideas naturally. So I've taught myself some frameworks that I go over in my head in meetings that allow me to come up with ideas. This is kind of like the Plato factory. Frameworks are these systems, um, these models that leaders put their thoughts into and out pops the solution they're looking for. And there's a, this is one of the superhero powers that I cover in the book. And in fact, I cover about a dozen different frameworks. I'm sure you've been in a meeting where um, the leader in the meeting steps up to a whiteboard and draws a two by two or a Venn diagram or this little a framework and starts asking questions of the room to work out a really difficult challenge. Da Vinci did this. Da Vinci had the ability to see patterns and systems and, and learn and replicate from what he learned. He used frameworks. It's, it's, it's a genius skill that I see disruptors use again and again and again. Um, I, love, I love the phrase parallel engineering. Parallel engineering is uh, a, a sophisticated way of saying stealing ideas. If someone has figured out a way to do something, parallel engineer it. And that's what disruptors do. They use frameworks to get answers. So there are two kinds of thinkers, broadly speaking. There are lateral thinkers. This is what the notebook of a lateral thinker looks like. Um, they're, they're divergent. Their ideas are all over the place. And then there are critical thinkers. Um, lateral thinkers tend to be more visionary types. They're highly intuitive. They make connections. Uh, critical thinkers tend to draw straight lines between a problem and a solution. They use systems. Um, that have been proven to to draw a straight line. By the, by the way, this is a really hard image for me to look at. This is how you become a, a you get a green card in the United States. Um, so this was a system developed by a critical thinker. So first, I want to give you an idea of something. If you're if you're a, la, a, a lateral thinker, a framework that might work for you. Um, this is if you were Uber or if you were a taxi cab company ten years ago and you were looking to solve a problem, you would look at you know people complain that our cars are messy and maybe they smell like you know someone just brought take home dinner in them. So uh, a innovation might be a, for them, might be one of those green Christmas tree air fresheners that you hang from 
a uh, the rearview mirror. But if you use a, a framework like Scamper, where you take a, a bunch of problems and you substitute, combine, adapt, modify, put something to another use, eliminate or rearrange, you can see that very quickly looking at an industry like taxi cabs, what if we eliminated inventory? What if we substituted someone else's car for our car? If you push yourself to come up with a way to combine two things, like what if we did you know, the, the calling the cab and where you want to go and, and the directions all in one push button app that would eliminate four or five different complaints that we have. When you're inside the jar, it's really difficult to reinvent a system or process or product that you that you're an expert at. It's just really hard. So you make these you make these incremental changes when you use a framework like Scamper it forces new ideas. And this is the type of framework that my friend Joe was using in his head. He was substituting things, he was combining things. So just write the word scamper down in it when you're trying to come up with new ideas and you have a framework to be a more divergent thinker. This is a great framework for critical thinkers. Here's another one. Now this is not what would Joe do, um, this is what would Jesus do, and it's a simple framework. You know, you, a friend of mine that I used to work with, Brett Miller, you know, he, he was driving down the street one day and he saw what would Jesus do and he's like, hey, what would Jesus do? What would Elon Musk do? What would Steve Jobs do? What would Oprah do? What would Sheryl Sandberg do? One of the things that our company uses is we have a whole bunch of cards, Steve Jobs on, on the front side, and on the back, a bunch of the different ways that he thought and solved problems. When you force yourself to think about a problem through the lens of another expert, like what would Steve Jobs do or what would Jesus do, you come up with distinctly different answers. And they're not your answers. They're safe because someone else kind of came up with them. But this is a great way to be divergent if you're a critical thinker. If you're if you're not if you have too many ideas, here's a great way to prioritize them. This is what I'll call the prioritization framework. It's a two by two. All you need to do is take every one of your ideas. First, you have to understand what value means. Is is it like faster? Is it is it higher profits? Is it higher margins? How are you defining value? And then how do you define cost? Is it is it your time your, the, the cost? Is it actual money? If you come up with those parameters, you can take every one of the ideas on the wall and put them in each one of these uh, different quadrants. And what you see is if it's low cost but high value, you might delay it. Or low cost, low value, you delay it. If it's high value, high cost, you selectively invest. And if it's high value, low cost, those are the things that you do first. So you, this is a great way to make a determination about if you've got a hundred ideas, ideas, which two or three ideas should you be working on first? So that's that's uh, frameworks is one of the ten different superhero powers that I talk about in the book. Let's move on to my uh, a guy named Larry Walters. Larry Walters, I won't tell you the whole story, but Larry Walters had this dream of flying. He had bad eyesight. He couldn't get a driver's, or he could barely get a driver's license. Couldn't get a pilot's license. Um, you know, couldn't get into the military, but he wanted to fly. So he decided that in order to fly, he would just need a vehicle. In this case, he chose his favorite lawn chair. He'd need some kind of propulsion device. In this case, he uh, acquired a number of weather balloons that he attached to his 
uh, favorite lawn chair. He named his lawn chair Inspiration One, by the way. And he flew. Now, his, his idea was he'd just fly above his backyard, and then when his maiden voyage was over, he would take out a BB gun and shoot the balloons down. It led to kind of a tragic ending. He, won't, he, got, he lived, but he got caught up in power lines. He got fined $4,000. He won the Bonehead of the Year Award from the Dallas Daily News. He, he was runner-up in the Darwin Awards because he survived. The Darwin Awards are given to people that improve the human species by eliminating themselves from it. And Larry got second runner-up because he actually survived. So I heard this story, and uh, it's a true story. The first time I heard it, I thought, what an idiot. Um, like, who would do that? But then I had this realization that he actually flew. I mean, he, he had a dream. He hatched a plan. No matter how messy it was, he got it done. And then I had a really horrifying realization that I'm Larry Walters. And hopefully some of you listening are too, because um, that story was told to me by Dr. Ed Hallowell, Ted to his friends. He's the leading authority on ADD. And he said that in order for great things to happen, there has to be a little bit of crazy. There has to be this divergent, what I'll call an idea monkey, the visionary who takes on convention and is willing to, you know, break rules. Wherever there's great invention, there's an idea monkey. But there's something else too. Um, there's a chapter in the book called Walt Disney's Secret. As a kid, I was absolutely uh, enamored with the idea of Walt Disney, who gave us the talking mouse and animation and the happiest place on earth. So people would give me books about the Disney. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized that it was his brother Roy who actually gave us the happiest place on earth and the talking mouse, or at least it was both of them. See, Walt Disney was a visionary, but Roy Disney was an operator. Roy Disney was the ringleader. Roy Disney was the one who took Walt's crazy big ideas and actually operationalized them. There's a story that, uh, you know, Walt had this big idea. He went home for the weekend. Monday morning, he came back to the office, and there was Roy. He hadn't left. He'd been doing math all weekend. And Roy said, you know, that little idea, that, that, that crazy idea you had on Friday, it's going to cost us $2 million, Walt. $2 million that we don't have. And Walt's response is, Roy, why do you bother me with these insignificant details? Wherever there's a Walt, there's a Roy. Wherever there's an idea monkey, there's a ringleader. And these two think so decidedly different that when under pressure, they go in exact opposite ways. When it's working, it's like a love affair. Um, and when you see companies that are tearing it up, that are just scaling dramatically, you will always find these two archetypes at the top, a visionary and operator, an idea monkey and a ringleader. Idea monkeys are about divergence. They like to predict the future. It's ideas, ideas, ideas. You can test your team to see who the idea monkeys are. If you're a high quick start in the Colby score, you are an idea monkey. They're about ready, fire, aim. Anything is possible to an idea monkey. They have jazz hands, they have sparkle fingers. They will convince you that this investment, this one is the one that's going to change the world. And sometimes, sometimes they are right. So it's a little dangerous. And then there's the ringleaders. They're about convergence. They're those critical thinkers I was telling you about. They want you to prove it before you do anything. Everything's about a process. And the Colby score, they're a high fact finder, high follow through. They, they want to make sure something is possible. They're all about doing what they did yesterday a little bit better today. So you can imagine how they feel when you come with an idea that's really disruptive. So you need this tension. You need the tension between visionaries and operators to create a, a you know, design thinking process. 
all the design thinking process, all companies that use design thinking have this dance between divergence and convergence. And along the way, there are these practices and methodologies that keep the idea monkeys and ringleaders in check. Um, and it goes from discovery to immersion to prototyping all the way to activation and rinse and repeat. It's this dance between convergence and divergence. We wrote a book called Brand New um, that basically goes through each one of these uh, steps in the dance and shows you what the divergent step is and what the convergent step is. For example, when Idea Monkeys wanted to have a brainstorm, ringleaders will always say about what. And there are all these systems so that you can come up with insights, targets, quantify those insights, and, and make sure that they're worthy of your attention. The Procter & Gamble example I gave you earlier, that was an insight statement. I want my teeth to look whiter because it makes me look younger, but brushing alone doesn't make, make my, look, my teeth look white enough. I because but, I because but is an insight statement that what ringleaders will do is they'll have their idea monkeys do all kinds of ethnographic research, come up with a whole bunch of insight statements, and then help them force rank those insights so that then they're only working on the top two or three issues that customers want solved. And that's what great companies do. That's the dance between idea monkeys and ringleaders. And there's a, there's a process, a system all the way through that helps you become a better thinker and a better innovator. Here's an example. Um, Idea, ringleaders get the bad rap of being idea killers. They're, they're, you know, they, they persecute the Imagineers by saying that's impossible. You can't do that. That's illegal. So if you're a ringleader, if you're an operator, here's my suggestion. The next time you're about to say that'll never work or something like that, stop yourself and take a humble pill. Take a step back and realize the reason you're about to say that will never work or that's illegal is because you don't know how to make it work or you don't know how to make it legal. So be humble, admit that you don't know the answer, and instead of saying it won't work or it's illegal, make a wish. Say something like, man, I wish that was legal or I wish we could figure out a way to make that legal or I wish that, that, that we could afford that. And then stop and let the idea monkey on your team think about that and say, okay, let me think about it. I'll, I'll come back to you with some ideas. That's how you challenge them. That's how you feed into their strength. Um, you might be right. They might not be able to make it legal, but you want to make sure that you give them the chance because that's how, that's how Napster put the recording industry out because there was a ringleader saying it'll never happen. It's illegal. Um, here's another concept. If you're an idea monkey, this is the definition of innovation, uh, the way that I learned it from Procter & Gamble. It's the synchronized intersection of the insight, meeting an idea, and then finally the experience. The insight is the statement, a problem that's worthy of your attention, worthy of solving. The idea could be a, a new product or service or business model. And finally, the experience is something that makes people say, oh my gosh, you listen to me, I'll pay you this much for it. Insight first, idea second. The challenge is idea monkeys and most companies just like to start with ideas. The greatest companies start with needs first. So if you're an idea monkey, remember insights eat ideas for breakfast. And if you're a ringleader, coming up with ways to form insights, the, the biggest targets that your idea monkeys can shoot at is, is mission number one. 
Okay, so I'll end with a story. I, I was out in California a few years ago, and many of you heard of, have heard of Jimmy John's sub sandwiches. I know Jimmy and I knew Jim, God rest his soul. I actually knew Jim much better than Jimmy. Um, and Jim and I were having uh, a glass of wine in Napa. Uh, my wife was with us, and he told us a story. It was 12 weeks into Jimmy's freshman year at Eastern Illinois University. He got a call from his son. School wasn't going well. Um, Jim Sr. said, hey, well, you know, what do you want to do? You know, you don't need to be in school if you don't want to. And he said, I think I want to start a sandwich shop. Now, what could possibly go wrong? You know, uh, competing against, here's a college dropout who wants to compete against Wendy's, McDonald's, Subway, etc. But his dad didn't knock him down. He said, well, are you open to a little bit of help? And uh, Jimmy said, sure. Now, what you need to know about Jim Sr. was he was a a very successful entrepreneur, sold his companies for a couple hundred million dollars. They were all based on systems, patents that he had created. He was a systems thinker. So when he said to his son, are you open to some help? He was saying, can I help you build systems to make sure you're successful? Now this year, Jimmy John's will sell north of $2 billion worth of sub sandwiches. You don't start sell $2 billion worth of sub sandwiches, unless you're measuring every slice of tomato and every strip of lettuce, which they do. But more importantly, you don't sell $2 billion worth of sandwiches unless a ringleader father loved his idea monkey son. Who completes you? Who's your soulmate? Who's the yin for your yang? Disruptors understand that they need to act in balance and that their leadership teams need to be in balance. And there's a whole chapter on um, how to make that happen. So a couple of takeaways from plan D, how to dream, drive, and deliver. Um, uh, lessons from the world's greatest disruptors. First, rely on frameworks. Make your toughest decisions more quickly by using repeatable frameworks. The book has a dozen or so that I've seen really smart people use again and again to scale their career and make really good decisions under pressure. Then find a yin for your yang. Strive to have a team that knows how to converge and diverge. I would test your leadership team to make sure that you're in balance. I suspect you're not. You know, the fish stinks from the head down. I'm about to do a TED talk about how um, we actually, opposites attract except in business. And then we surround ourselves with people that are like us. And that causes all kinds of problems that are um, solvable by keeping your team in balance. There's seven more examples of, in the book of disruptor superhero powers. The most powerful one is uh, believing in ghosts. I'll leave it there, um, uh, except to say that I've never met a highly sex, sex, successful person that wasn't either chasing a ghost or being chased by one. Um, the question is, which is it? You need to be aware or beware um, because uh, ghosts can get you. So that's a worthy chapter for really successful people to read. I appreciate y'all. If you have any questions, um, please contact me. I'm happy to help you directly or indirectly. Um, MaddockDouglas.com is our website. You'll find all kinds of more content. And uh, Plan D is now available as a book or an ebook on Amazon. Um, thank you so much. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take a minute, leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Ratings are invaluable for attracting new listeners. And I like to convert those listeners into leaders because you know I'm on a mission to spark 100 million leaders in the next 10 years. And 
If you want to become the boss everyone fights to work for and nobody wants to leave, check out the LeadX platform with Coach Amanda at leadx.org. And if you have 10 or more managers who could use some binge-worthy training, send me an email at info at leadx.org, L-E-A-D-X dot O-R-G, and we'll talk about getting you set up with a totally free pilot for those managers. See if they like it. If they don't, that's fine. We go away. Part as friends. But if they love it, you've just found yourself a new resource for them. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How are you going to lead today? 